The demands on professional sellers have never been greater. Sellers can't just yap about their products or set up demos or respond to a whole bunch of RFPs. Not if they want to be successful with today's smart, informed, and stressed out buying teams. If sales pros need to change, then their tools, training, and coaching have to change too. Whether you have a big sales organization or a small one, or even if it mostly comes down to you, then it's time to learn what's happening today in the world of sales messaging and sales enablement. So let's talk to someone who is in an ideal position to share what's working, the leader of a top business-to-business sales consultancy and agency. It's Matt McClendon, president of DSG Consulting on the Manager Message Podcast. Welcome to the Manager Message Podcast, where professionals come for ideas and inspiration to grow by talking about their businesses more effectively and getting lots of other people to do the same. Here is your host, consultant, professional speaker, and author, Jim Carr. Come on in and welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast. I'm Jim Carr. I help professionals and entire organizations to get the most out of their everyday business conversations, the ones that generate by far the most and most effective word of mouth. That means more growth in revenue, customer engagement, employee engagement, and your brand and reputation. On this program, we discuss three foundational components for managing your message. First, the message itself, meaning the words, stories, and evidence you want your marketplace to know about. Second, your messengers, the network of people who can help you share that message. And third, management habits that will shape your culture and turn those improvements into an everyday business advantage. My new book is launching soon. It's titled, The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. I'll keep you posted, and we have samples and bonus content available on my website, jimcar.com. Simply put, it's much easier to grow your business when you are a message manager. I'm excited about today's guest, a special one indeed. Matt McClendon is a friend and longtime colleague through DSG Consulting, where I have been a consulting principal for now more than a decade. Wow. Matt is president of DSG and with his fellow principal, Tanner Measel, has transformed the firm to meet the needs of clients spread out around the world. DSG is known for its playbook approach to sales enablement. We'll let Matt explain what that means. And over the course of about 25 years, has worked with several hundred clients, helping enable more than 100,000 salespeople in more than 30 countries in industries ranging from high-tech to manufacturing, business services, financial services, healthcare, and telecommunications. What is that type of work all about? Well, the result is that teams of high-level sales pros are effective in what they say, show, and do in customer conversations, and that managers and leaders are coaching effectively and building consistently. We're going to see what that's all about with Matt McClendon. Matt, welcome to the Manager Message Podcast. Thanks, Jim. Great to be with you. This is a treat, and it's a treat for me and for our listeners to be able to step back a little bit. Often when I'm chatting with Matt, we're talking about individual client engagements. And let's talk today about how the world of professional B2B, business-to-business sales, has changed so dramatically over the years. DSG has about a 25-year history. Matt, not quite as long with there, but longer than I. And if we looked back, I'm thinking 12 to 15 years ago, my impression is that the kinds of work that DSG was doing was 
particularly event-driven, so maybe around a lot of big sales kickoff meetings and planning and speaking for those sorts of things. I'm imagining a lot of balloon drops and Tina Turner singing simply the best over <laughs> uh, over the loudspeakers. So if you look back a number of years, what was it that sales leaders and executives were trying to accomplish, what they had to work with, and how has that been changing? You know, that was the early stages of cloud-based CRM. And so you remember salesforce.com was talking about no software. And the focus of many companies 12, 15 years ago was all around the science of selling. And, and so you'd hear a lot about sales process optimization and creating that repeatable selling steps and, and best practices there was an awful lot of face-to-face -face training. So funny that you're mentioning kind of balloons dropping, but a heavy, heavy focus on, on sales execution. How can we automate those best practices? A lot of highly customized implementations around Salesforce automation. And so you definitely still had a lot of on-premise software. And so you think about kind of the, the Siebel days and and so you, you had clients that were really thinking about capturing those repeatable steps and, and, and best practices, coaching around that, but a lot, of, a lot of focus on the sales process. And when you think of it today, and message manager listeners, a DSG engagement can deal with a lot of different types of business units and executives. So you may have marketing leaders, sales leaders. CEOs, operations people who are all involved. And Matt, I'm curious of what you're hearing today when prospective clients, you're speaking with them about how to engage, how to make their selling processes and their messages and their coaching systems, all of that more effective. What are the kinds of things that they're saying in their words that they're trying to solve for today? We hear a lot about strategy implementation. Clients have big ideas for growth so in many cases, internally, they've done a lot of work to determine where they should go as a company, as a, as a sales team. And so we'll hear clients talk about sales plays. So kind of where they want to go, how they're going to win in the marketplace. A common theme that we hear is just we have to move faster. And the amount of change that client executives are looking to drive across their business continues to accelerate. And, and so the question is, how can we implement this strategy faster, better, de-risk our initiatives? And no longer can you just have an annual sales kickoff, set the strategic direction, and then check in for the next annual kickoff. It really is driving that strategy implementation throughout the year and the changes that it's going to take to win. So it sounds like moving faster, having more agility, but you talk about sales plays as well. That's more of engineering very specific kinds of conversations and specific types of by it's a solution matched to an audience, matched to a result. Is that correct? Yeah, we would. We'll focus our clients to say, focus on that outcome. What are we trying to drive? In some cases, it could be we need to increase pipeline around a certain solution area. The outcome could be we need a better competitive response in the marketplace. 
the outcome could be we want to build rapport and selling opportunities with a new persona or our buying audience. But starting with that outcome, the change that we're trying to drive, and then backing from that outcome into a, a timeline and a set of enablement to support that outcome and really focus. So we hear a lot of our clients talking about how can we get the focus kind of mind and attention of busy salespeople to execute that that sales play or that sales growth initiative where we think we'll have the highest probability of success. Interesting as you talk about focus, but I also wanted to talk with you a little bit and what you've seen in terms of foundational elements for helping particularly frontline salespeople, but this goes for everyone who's having customer conversations and the clients that we deal with. It seems to me, Matt, and again, my perspective is about the last 10 years or so, but when we look at what we call sales messaging and really how to lead those customer conversations, there are some principles there that have seemed pretty durable. We still talk to professional salespeople about ways to prompt interaction, how to develop and deliver an insight, telling a a prospect or a a client something that they already know and knowing the implications for that. How to make sure your conversation is focused on the customer, not on yourself and your stuff, matching where buyers are in their decision-making processes. So these are pretty foundational things. Would you agree that those foundational things applied 20 years ago and 10 years ago, and they're still relevant today? And and are you seeing new ways of trying to hone those skills and those foundations as well? I do. And that you, you talk about just customer focus, we'll use the term other focus or O focus. And just that mindset permeates all of your customer interactions. And so am I focused on myself, potentially what I need to accomplish or think I need to accomplish in this sales call or the sales meeting, my quarter close, my product mix. If you have that inward focus, that self-focus, it permeates all of your interactions and and customers feel that. And so foundational of, of being customer focused, other focused, we hear a lot. Another principle we'll talk about is diagnosis before prescription. And so are you spending the time to really understand the customer's world, their challenges, their inefficiencies, their their opportunities, or are you focused on kind of where you need that sales call to go? What's your next step in your selling process? One of the things that we'll talk to, to our client sellers about is the notion of give to get. So you talked about leading with insight. How can I tell that customer something they didn't know prior to meeting with me? And how can I give them a perspective that is valuable in itself? And that moves you closer to being that trusted advisor, definitely bringing new perspective and insight that allows you to get the opportunity to learn more about their business. And that's where you can begin to do that diagnosis before prescription, where you're asking the right questions to begin to understand their world with much more clarity. And so those are foundational. We hear clients talking about wanting to be more consultative, more insight-driven, value-driven. I think those are all consistent, but I think the sophistication of buyers and how 
their expectations change really informs the the need for that type of a, of an insight led seller. And the pressure from the buyers, as you talk about, because everybody has to move faster, they have to develop these insights, they have to know how to share a story. There are lots of pressures that come on onto individual salespeople, their managers, the entire organization. Matt, I was uh, I want to share a story, and I think it's something that our listeners to some degree can relate to. And then, Matt, I'd love to give your thoughts about the pressures that this puts on selling organizations all the way through. I had a uh, you know, huge surprise. I was uh, flying uh, yesterday and there was a, a canceled flight. And so I wound up hanging out in an uh, airline club for a little while. And there were a bunch of people all stacked in there and all having their conversations generally pretty loud. And I couldn't help but overhear one and it was, I didn't know the, the name of the organization. I wasn't trying to eavesdrop, but uh, this person was talking apparently to a colleague about there was a whole sales team at, that, uh, and they were letting several people go because they just didn't have the performance that was there. And he said, you know, that we've had a lot of activity and we've been trying to get on these guys to make their calls and to uh, do their demos, but we're just not getting the performance. So we're going to have to do something different. And it just brought back the whole notion about activity versus progress. And I, I thought the pressures at a first level, the pressures that you see today on individual salespeople who are trying to meet quotas, as you talked about, who are trying to be insightful, it seems harder than ever to get the meetings and have the conversations uh, that they want. It's complicated on the buyer's side because there are so many people that might be involved in the decision. So what do you see as the main pressures on individual salespeople, we can build back a little bit in terms of their, their teams and their leaders as well. There's a lot of pressure in terms of time to first deal. So if I'm a, if I'm a new salesperson joining a team, you know, what does that ramp time look like? In a lot of cases, you, you may not be taking over a territory with just tons of late stage opportunities that you could just close. And, and, and so I think one of the challenges we hear from clients today is, is how can I get better at digital selling? And we're asking our, our salespeople with these educated buyers to engage in, in more web meetings, conversations that might have been in person three years ago, five years ago, that educated buyer saying, hey, let's hop on a, a Zoom call. Let's, let's have a web meeting. And how as a seller the pressure of, of just how can I improve my individual skills in web meetings? How do I offer insight and engage in that digital world? That's definitely one of the pressures that we see with digital selling. It, it, it moves to the, the social side of it. So what are those LinkedIn strategies? What's the right way to comment? How should I post? How do I engage people that I don't know and I'm trying to build my network through LinkedIn. What's the right way to in-mail? What's the right way to approach them? But that, that whole space around digital selling, potentially you're in a new territory and you're trying to, to build out a, a, a network, that's challenging. How do you share best practices for digital selling? And then when we take that up to the team level, Say so there's a sales team, you've got a sales manager. In fact, there may be multiple teams that are involved here. Seems uh, a lot of the things that I'm seeing, Matt, are 
You've got a tighter market for talent itself. So it's, it's hard to recruit and retain top performing salespeople. Teams are running leaner. They may be geographically dispersed. They may be doing a lot of things virtually as well. So to your point, it's difficult to share best practices. It's difficult to do coaching and skill development. And a lot of people don't they really haven't had a whole lot of training or skill development, especially on the messaging side. So where do you see the pressures as they translate then at kind of a team level to a sales manager or a sales leader that's trying to build some consistency and raise everybody's game quickly? Yeah. You, you hear a lot about just how difficult it can be to coach in a virtual world. When I started back in the day in telecom, all the salespeople were in a, a branch office. And so we were physically sitting around each other. Our manager was there, easy for our manager to go on ride-alongs. One of the questions we always ask clients is, you know, what does good look like? Show me an example of what good looks like for this particular conversation. And today, promoting, you know, capturing what good looks like and promoting that is a real challenge for that first level sales manager. And so they have to get good at engaging in the virtual world and coaching in the virtual world and sharing best practice examples. That's where we found video just becomes so important and, and is, is one of the primary enablement tools that really gets busy salespeople's attention. Sellers want to learn from other colleagues, other sellers that are having success. And when you can capture that video best practice, they'll watch it and they'll watch it again and again and again. And analytics will show us that 60 to 90 second videos where someone's sharing strategy, you know, kind of think about overcoming an objection and you get to listen to the response. Or maybe it's to a particular buyer persona and you're getting to watch and listen to a talk track. All of that becomes really valuable and sharing best practice. We have a client that'll talk about just loading, loading the lips of their sellers. So I want to inform, <laughs> literally inform the questions they're going to ask, the stories they're going to tell. You talked about insights earlier, Jim, but that, you know, the accelerator around that is packaging up those sales enablement learning videos that if I'm sitting in the car in the parking lot or I'm at Starbucks or my home office, I can quickly review those, prompt myself, and as our client would say, hopefully load my lips for that next conversation. In, in a YouTube world, I mean, when people will go to YouTube you know, to learn how to change a light bulb and find probably 15 different videos there in order how to do that, I guess it makes sense, right? And that's one of the reasons we've seen a lot of usefulness out of videos and other tools like that which is a nice segue into how these pressures and the desire for performance, how that builds up to an enterprise level. I mean, there's been certainly the longstanding kind of stereotypical, but real disconnects oftentimes between sales and marketing. You know, how do you across a complicated enterprise where people are spread out, you have people with different levels of experience. They kind of know their stuff, but they don't know what everybody else is doing. They're looking for specific coaching and guidance. So the pressures that we've seen in enterprises that are far flung and that are dealing with uh, sophisticated buyers, we certainly on the one hand have seen 
a lot of companies who are uh, coming up with you know new roles and and business units. They have chief revenue officers that kind of bridge the gap between marketing and sales. We have uh, sales enablement, sales operations teams that are put together to try to break that down. If you could speak to that a little bit, Matt, in terms of how companies are trying to adjust and get faster and more consistent and how playbooks, which contain videos and guides and all sorts of things, become the go-to resource that can tie all of this stuff together. Yeah, we, we see that chief revenue officer, the senior sales leader talking about competitive advantage and how can they build competitive advantage through their their sales organization. And that can be the direct sales team, the employee sales reps. It also can be the, the channel. And so indirect partners. And one of the things we, we talk about is just the number of conversations that are taking place every day. And so you listen to that chief revenue officer in many cases, they've done ride-alongs. So they've gone out with partners. They've gone out with their selling team. And in many cases, they come back worried, upset, frustrated that some of the messages they might have rolled out at kickoff are not sticking. People are not telling the right story. There's, there's inconsistency. And they see the opportunity, the, the loss of competitive advantage by not enabling the team for those hundreds and thousands of of conversations that are taking place. And so that's where we see the playbook to be a real accelerator in terms of building out the consistency and capability across the sales team. And we talked earlier about what good looks like, packaging that up in a playbook. And so we view a playbook as a integrated collection of content, tools, and training to help that seller prepare for their next customer conversation. And so if I'm sitting here thinking about my 3 p.m. meeting, what would it look like if I could go to a playbook and instead of going to three or four different systems, literally on the screen, whether it's on my phone, whether it's on an iPad, whether it's on my laptop, I could be looking at an integrated collection of content tools and training all on that page that would help me for that 3 p.m. meeting. So maybe I'm meeting with the VP of operations. What would it look like if I could watch a video about the VP of operations and our messaging strategy to that persona? What if I had a talk track that I could grab questions that would be applicable, look at differentiation, success stories, Maybe I have a conversation planning tool and I can look at the key messages and and develop that, customize it for that account. Maybe there's a conversation prompter. So maybe I'm going to use an infographic or maybe there's a whiteboard or some form of visual selling that I might use in that conversation. But that, that integrated collection of content tools and training, we call a playbook. And those companies that capture their strategy into a playbook, show the salespeople what good looks like, they begin to see increases in consistency. They see people focusing on the right conversations. The trailing indicators are obviously increasing pipeline, increased number of sellers that are making quota. People begin to get excited about increasing deal size. 
but the playbook can be an accelerator for those business results. It's interesting. I think sometimes there might be some leaders who would maybe question, you know, why is it that we would need a playbook? I mean, everyone kind of knows what to do, but I would refer them to, we had uh, Matt, a guest on the podcast uh, a few months ago uh, named Tom Steenberg. Tom used to work at Xerox and he now is a professor at the University of Virginia. He had co-authored an article, a very good one in Harvard Business Review called How to Sell New Products. And he was reviewing those few companies who do a good job of selling their new stuff versus the majority of whom tend to have disappointing results. And one of the big takeaways is, and for everyone, we tend to underestimate the change that's required when we are selling new things or even just updates uh, to our solutions. There's change, a lot of change on the part of the seller in terms of probably having a new conversation. You may be not accustomed to speaking, say, to Matt, you were talking about personas. So you might be accustomed to speaking to someone on the operations side or the technology side, but you have a financial decision maker involved as well. And they don't might not know how to approach that conversation and be afraid of not being able to answer the questions the right way or, or looking bad. And then we tend to also underestimate the change that's required on the part of the buyer. Everything that we have that's not a simple you know, refilling or, or repurchasing requires some change on their part. And so we have to be uh, very strategic about that and be able to uh, have the right conversations, as you say, at the right time and not lose patience and all of that. So the playbook and, and really being strategic about that is a way to break through and make sure that you're part of the percentage of, of companies that are able to navigate the change for yourself and the buyer as well. I was going to take this, I think it's a nice segue, Matt, into the whole notion about continuous enablement. Almost every organization I see, to some degree, they talk about, oh, we, we have a learning culture. We're all about continuous learning, continuous improvement. There's the motivation. But when you talk about continuous enablement, through the selling processes, if you could talk a little bit about what that means today. And I, it seems like there's definitely two pieces of there. There's the continuous, so you can't just set it and forget it. And then the enablement, which is going to mean different people needing different things at different times. Is that right? <laughs> that is right. And we would say that it all begins with a sales enablement strategy and getting alignment across all of the key stakeholders, and, and that includes product teams, that includes marketing, that definitely includes sales leadership. And so sales and marketing and product coming together to build a common plan. And in the most tangible way, that should present itself in a calendar. And so as we're thinking about just a calendar year and the 12 months, that strategy and that plan, it becomes aligned upon, agreed upon through through the calendar. And you begin to, to look at the, the major movements. And a lot of our clients will have annual sales conferences. They'll have mid-year events. They're going to have customer events. They're going to have product launches. All of those become key milestones on an enablement calendar. But what does that rhythm looks like in terms of the focus and the priorities week by week, month by month. 
and we find those clients that really think about it, like you were saying, as a continuous enablement plan where we're updating that calendar, we're making improvements, we're getting feedback, but we are aligned across our functional areas of sales and marketing and product, how we are looking to improve the performance of our very busy salespeople. And so we need those opportunities when we can get their focus and the calendar will allow us to, to organize and align around that across the team. From a DSG perspective, we're big believers in a 30, 60 day cycle. And so we want that focus. You know, the topic could be maybe this focus is around getting the right meetings. And so it's, it's an early stage focus. And so what that would look like would be we're going to, to, to launch enablement to the sellers. Managers are going to be equipped to coach and reinforce that. We might issue a challenge to the team in terms of a number of early stage meetings or the right kind of early stage meetings. And then we need to provide the, the sales enablement to them. So from a content tools and perspective, if the focus is on early stage meetings, what are those assets that we're making available to the team? So use this sales enablement to secure an early stage meeting with this targeted buyer persona. So that becomes a cycle and an area of focus within the broader sales enablement calendar. And we would see repeating that cycle. And so maybe the next sales enablement cycle could be around objection handling, or maybe the next cycle is around negotiation. It could be around the value proposition and differentiation. But having those topics and issuing challenges to the sellers to improve their selling skills and their strategies over time, that aggregates and you begin to see a culture of continuous improvement. And then presumably uh, you're looking at this on a rolling basis and there might be some particular skill or some particular play or strategy in there, for example, if deals are getting stuck. Maybe you need to say, well, we need to focus a little bit on prompting the right sense of urgency with the buyer and, and ways to, to move deals along that you can plug in as you're revisiting that calendar and revisiting your priorities over time, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. That, that's how it should, should work and does work for our clients that really have embraced that continuous enablement strategy. Let's talk um, for a few moments about where some of the ideas for clients come from and innovation. I've been really interested lately, Matt, in kind of the interplay between industry knowledge and innovation. And what I'm seeing is a lot of the need is you, you really can get stuck and get very narrow in your thinking and your ideas if you're only looking within your current industry, that a lot of great ideas can come from conceptually related fields, but they're a little bit different. Now, in the case of DSG, over time, a lot of clients have been in, say, the IT and software space. These are complex solutions or higher value. There's a, a long cycle in terms of the buyers making their decisions and comparing options and those sorts of things. But also, in, especially in recent years, we've seen clients in industries like manufacturing and healthcare and construction and banking and other parts of financial services, AI, a lot of things coming in to the fore now. I'm wondering from your perspective, Matt, 
What do you see as the common threads across these kinds of industries and their sellers and what they need? And are there any particular kind of nuances or wrinkles that you're learning over time as well? I think the consistent factors that we see are they're selling across those industries, you know, high value solutions to a sophisticated buyer. And so that notion that the sophisticated, educated buyer exists in manufacturing, healthcare, professional services is real. And the need to lead with, with, with insight to provide a perspective, we see our clients cross industry confirming that, pushing into that. They're on that journey. Speed to change. So as you look at the tech-enabled manufactured world and most every one of our industrial manufacturing companies, if you really unpack it, it is a, it's a technology-driven company. There's just software and hardware that permeates all kinds of industrial, healthcare, obviously telecom, financial services. And so that ability to drive change, one of the things we see as a common denominator is just the notion of sales plays. So that is a cross-industry trend. People are wanting to learn more about how could we run sales plays how do we align around our sales plays? How can we change our sales plays based upon the market and the buyers and the competition as we move throughout the year? And so that notion of changing priorities, the trend of playbooks plays well. And so you talked about some of the differences. In some cases, you, you find those clients in a regulated marketplace. And so financial services, healthcare, from a messaging standpoint and for your audience, locking down those messages become really important. And that's where playbooks can become extremely valuable to lock down those talk tracks, lock down the, the customer stories that can be shared as we think about proof points and, and differentiation, having that all driven through the, to the playbook, allowing that to be approved content becomes extremely valuable as our clients and regulated industries are, are preparing for, for their prospect and, and customer interactions and conversations. You know, Matt, I was thinking back a couple of years ago on an engagement with a client who is in financial services, highly regulated, as you mentioned. And initially, the idea about putting stories and uh, proof points, messages into a playbook for everyone to access, there was a bit of tightening, shall we say, internally uh, with the client, like, you know, what what can we say? We, we don't want to get into trouble. They oftentimes through the general counsel's office and, and HR are looking at this as, you know, how, how can this go wrong? How can we get into trouble? And I remember having a conversation with the general counsel who she immediately got on board. She said, well, today we have no idea what people are saying and showing and doing. So we're more exposed, you know, by putting this and in, in looking at this as a team and putting it together, creating it together, at least we'll have some consistency and we're probably far less exposed in the future than we uh, have been up until now. That's really good. So true. Now, DSG serves sellers, but DSG is also a seller. And uh, I know, Matt, you're actively involved in recruiting people on the sales and business development side. We've got a lot of young folks around the office doing their thing. 
I'm curious as to what you're finding because there's a, there's a lot of static when people talk about not just salespeople and uh, young business people, but but just younger workers, younger talent generally. What are you finding? I'm super optimistic about the the next generation of sellers, and so I've been super impressed with our team. You use the word curious. What we would say is curiosity itself is one of the biggest indicators of success in selling. And so when I say curious, as you meet those individuals that really want to know how something works, why are we doing it that way, and are really wanting to uncover for a client, for a prospect, the challenges, the inefficiencies, the opportunities in their business, and and are just generally curious to learn how a client or prospect could could improve, how they could do better, what they're doing today that's working, what's what's not. As we talk about insight-led selling, as we think about you know offering a a new perspective to a buyer. I believe all of that starts with a a healthy sense of of curiosity. And as we're looking to add talent to the DSG team, that's one of the things we're looking to uncover and expose and highlight are just those candidates that just are inquisitive and asking lots of questions of how things work. We think that translates really well into a, a, a consultative selling process. And I am amazed at just the maturity of 20-somethings, early 30-somethings. I would be one that would be very bullish on the next generations and just the talent and focus and energy and, and drive that we've seen from, from that, uh, that group of, of sellers. Yeah, I agree. Matt, you mentioned earlier uh, principle of give to get. And we've seen that uh, in lots of settings be very effective and a great approach to business uh, and service generally. DSG practices what it preaches. You have a lot of case studies, videos, ebooks, guides that are available for people, whether you are listening to this and you have a business to business enterprise or even if you're dealing in business to consumer or you've got a smaller organization, there are a lot of things there you can learn from. So where can listeners plug into that and connect with you as well? We definitely want to direct them to our website. So we've put a lot of our, our, our thought leadership. So if you go to dsgconsulting.com, there's a tab at the top called resources. And within that resource tab, you'll share a lot of the content that we've we've built with clients with our consulting team and so there's videos success stories briefs ebooks a lot of assets that you could use as you're developing your sales enablement strategy as you're building your plans as you want to just hear and learn from other companies you can sort it and look at it by industry a lot of just ideas that you could use to accelerate your sales enablement growth plans He's Matt McClendon, president of DSG Consulting, someone who's been able to see what's working and what isn't, not just across the country, but around the world and also right there on the front lines uh, with individual salespeople and managers uh, and executives as well. Matt, it's been great to uh, welcome you to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Jim. It was a blast. Great to be with you. 
My thanks to Matt McClendon for joining us, and I'm very pleased that you have joined in on the conversation here on the podcast, whether you are a returning message manager or maybe this is your first time in. We continue to build momentum. We now, I see, have subscribers in 12 countries. That's because many of you have been recommending us to your friends and colleagues and leaving those five-star ratings along the way, too. If you haven't yet done so, please take just a few seconds to tap subscribe and offer your five-star rating and review. That helps the robots let other professionals know about the Manage Your Message podcast. There is another free business messaging resource that is available to you, one that you can read, the Message Manager Memo. It comes to your email inbox each week. It's a brief read with something you can put to work right away. You can sign up on my website, jimcar.com. That's J-I-M-K-A-R-R-H.com. And while you're there, you likely know of a professional association or perhaps a company full of people looking for ways to improve their professional conversations and to grow their businesses. On my website, you'll see a speaking page as well as a related page just for event professionals. For anyone who's looking for speakers and other ideas for making their in-person events memorable and valuable, I list three keynote and session topics, all based upon practical learnings from my new book, The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. All of those topics are tailored to the themes of your meeting and the needs of your participants. You can email me directly to find out more. Jim at jimcar.com. We can set up a time to talk by phone if you like, or you can just dial my direct number, which is also on the website. Until next time, message managers, thanks for joining the conversation. Thanks for joining us on the Manage Your Message podcast with Jim Carr. You'll find show notes and other resources at managermessagepodcast.com and jimcar.com. Please help us serve you and other message managers by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing this podcast. And connect with Jim on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Jim Carr. Until next time, we hope your business message is shared well and often.